the cool thing about it is it's not a voice that you put on or try on. It's a voice that you have already. It's your natural, authentic voice. You're listening to Take It Personally, a podcast about the personal side of business and the art of standing out. I am so thrilled today to have my friend Sarah on the podcast. Sarah is, um, she's been a friend of mine for a while. She's been a brand photography client of mine. Currently, she's in my group coaching program, The Confident Creative. And I have just absolutely loved seeing her grow over the past year. When we first started working together, she was a teacher with a side hustle, really hoping to take it full time. And within a couple of months, she made that dream a reality and her business has just continued to grow. So in this interview, Sarah and I nerd out for a little bit, which was not planned about the state of um, journalism and communications in general. We both have journalism backgrounds and studied that in college. And then we just kind of talk about communication from a business perspective and how that can be something that really trips up a lot of entrepreneurs and can be difficult to navigate. And so Sarah is going to give us tips for um, really stepping into your own natural brand voice, how to identify what your brand voice is. And um, she's got a resource at the end that will help you with that. So enjoy this interview with Sarah Gillis. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, this is going to be so fun. So for those um, who may not know who you are, I would love for you to introduce yourself and just tell me, yeah, just tell us about yourself. Absolutely. So I'm Sarah Gillis. I am the owner of What Sarah Said, which is a copywriting and content writing service here based out of Sioux Falls. I love working with people across the United States. I work with a bunch of different types of service providers, whether it's realtors or it's therapists or photographers. And I love kind of writing whatever they need. I'm one of those like rare copywriters who can't really choose which side of her heart she loves the most. So I do copy and content. And I love that I have my own business and I don't have to ask anybody permission to do that because that's kind of my jam. I like doing what I want to do. And um, serving people with what they need. So it's, it's been a wild ride, but a good one. So tell me the difference between copy and content. I'm sure that's not the first time you've gotten that question. No, that's a great question. Um, so copy is like the marketing side, the salesy side of a business. Typically the purpose is to try and get someone to take an action. So, um, whether they purchase something or sign up for something, copy is all about helping the ideal client or the consumer to understand why they might need something and take that action to actually purchase or sign up. Whereas content has a variety of different purposes. It could be entertaining, like what we watch on Instagram stories. It could be educational, where it's um, a blog post where you're learning things, or it could be inspirational. So um, somebody sharing a message that really empowers you to, to feel better about yourself or about your business. So Content is more of that um, kind of knowledge-based or longer form type of um, content that really hits on the no like trust like you were talking about on stories this week. So Very cool. So really, I mean, a well-rounded business needs both copy and content. It's not one or the other. So it makes total sense that you would do both. 
Yeah, I like to tell myself that <laughs> there are copywriters, <laughs> there are copywriters who definitely specialize and, um, and content writers who definitely specialize. But like you said, I don't think you can have a, an effective business and an effective approach to really messaging um, to your ideal client without both copy and content. And I love doing both for a business owner because having that consistent voice across both is really important. I think that one of the things that business owners struggle with the most when it comes to creating content for like social media or blog posts or whatever, like the thing that I tend to hear is I am not, I'm not a good writer. Like I'm, I'm not good at that. I don't, I'm, I'm not a good writer (laughs) and that can make it really hard to create content in this age, because there's so much like, you know, different posts that you're supposed to do on social media and blog content, we're supposed to educate and we're supposed to entertain and like all these things that we're supposed to do. But if you have that belief that you're not a good writer, that's really hard to do. So what do you say to people who, um, who don't consider themselves a good writer, but also may not be at the point where they can hire someone to do it for them? Cause I think that's a lot of people. Yeah, that's a real good chunk of people. Um, I have worked in education for almost a decade before business ownership. I was a teacher. And so I dealt with reluctant writers all the time, especially writers who had thought their whole lives, this just isn't my thing. And I mean, I'm like, a, I'm on the other side of the coin, like math just isn't my thing. I was and just so that. like when I think <laughs> of like that, that belief for me is from math class. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, math class, science class, all of that stuff. Like that's where my imposter syndrome is like, you don't know what you're doing. But I think too, that when it comes to the writing part of it, it's about trying to shed that mindset and just empower people to try, to try things and to do things. And the biggest part that I think is really exciting for being a business owner now is that the icky, like gross used car salesman talk of like yesterday is just not, that's not what people want anymore. And so forcing yourself to sound like an expert that maybe is trying to swindle you or trying to um, make yourself sound more formal than you are, or really not embracing who your natural voice is, your authentic voice. All of that is like a game changer now because you can just talk as you are, you can write as you are. And there's not all of these rules to follow, which as a former teacher, I really love, but I also think can be really scary to people too. So I just tell them to try and try and write like they talk and it'll take you far. It'll really take you far. I think it's something that's really uncomfortable at first because we're taught like, you know, use the Oxford comma and like sound super formal and have a work cited and all these things. But when you're writing for business, when you're writing for like content type purposes, and essentially at the end of the day, when you're writing to connect, cause that's, that's what we want it's actually should be a lot more informal than that. And I think that that kind of throws people for a loop when you're like, no, actually you can write the way you talk. You can spell phonetically. You can, you know, whatever it might be. And people are like, wait, what? Like I would have failed English class if I did that. Yeah. And as like, as a former English teacher and like a super like grammar nerd, it took me a while to like Mm -hmm. embrace that, embrace the lack of the structure. But I tell you what, once you do, you don't go back. (laughs) I mean, 
I have a master's degree in English literature. And so I have like MLA running through my bones. Like I know what it is to write a research paper. But writing for business is so much more fun because you can literally take the rules and throw them out the window. Um, I still appreciate the people who take the time to make sure that, you know, they spell things correctly. But at the same time, it's like, if you, if you want to swear in your captions, go ahead. If you want to just use slang terms that you use on a regular basis, go ahead. The cool thing about owning your own business is that you don't have anybody to answer to and you can run it like you want. You can drive the bus, so to speak. So it's, it's really fun to watch. One of my biggest, I I would be curious what, what your biggest pet peeve is when it comes to uh, how people write on social media or just like in, you know, whether it's a blog post or an Instagram post or whatever, um, as probably a personal brand, um, because it drives me absolutely crazy when people who are very obviously like solopreneurs, like they're a team of one say we, (laughs) (laughs) yep. Sure. It kills me because I'm like, oh, like you have, you have such an incredible opportunity to connect with people one-to-one because you are one and they are one. And you've got companies like, you know, Nike and Coca-Cola, like they are creating entire campaigns trying to connect one-to-one, but they have to try really hard because they're like multi-billion dollar corporations. You're not like you can connect one-to-one. Stop saying we for the love of God. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's funny. I, I mean, I balance that with some people I write for, because I mean, I write for a lot of solopreneurs and that's my happy space. Like if you are wearing literally the accountant hat and the professional zoom person hat and the copywriter hat and the marketer hat and all of the hats, I love working with you because I know what it's like. I'm that myself. The thing that that bugs me, I would say, okay, so I'm going to like break tradition here. And I actually hate the Oxford comma. Hate it. (laughs) Oh, bless. Yes. I was trained both as a, an English literature nerd and also as a journalist. And I'm like the journalist part of me. It's it's journalism. It's journalism where you're like, you don't need it. (laughs) You don't need that, that one space in print news. You have to say that. Valuable. Yes. (laughs) And so screw the comma. People are just going to insert it anyways. But literally, I hate the Oxford comma. And some people are like, oh my gosh, I need it. And I love those people too. But I tell you what, that's, that's my biggest pet peeve. I hate, I hate the Oxford comma. So I'm going to, I'm going to go there. I think many would, would agree with you. (laughs) Yeah. I think you're right though. It's just the journalism mind coming out. Yeah, totally. And I think that the, the journalism background does help with, um, like content creation when it comes to your business, because yes, like we want to storytell and oftentimes in journalism, it's like, okay, don't bury the lead, get to the point. But also you, you want to be able to, um, like tell something really clearly, like to be very succinct about something, to get the message across. And I think that journalism teaches that, you know, to to just be very clear about what it is you're talking about. Yeah. And I mean, I wonder, like, obviously I've been out of college for a hot minute. And so I wonder how journalism is taught today because everything in print media was so crucial to my education back then. And I'm 35. I'm not like 80, but you know what I mean? Like print media is, is changing. And, um, I, I wonder if there's a difference in how it's taught today to think about space 
and to think about being concise. That's a, I, I am curious too. So I'm 30. So we were in college, you know, kind of, um, like, what would you say? Like, I essentially started like right after you would have mm-hmm. gone and gotten a job. So like, you know, pretty close together. Um, and by the time I was in college with a journalism major, we were, one of the reasons that I chose the school that I went to was because they kind of saw the change coming and they mm-hmm. were like, okay, like we're, you know, you want to be a journalism major, you, you want to write for publications. Great. But we're also going to learn how to write for web and how to write, you know, but even looking back in retrospect, I'm like, you know, we were, we like just touched the surface of it. It's, it's changed so much since then. Um, so that's a really good question. I would be very curious, you know, now there's like, there are entire departments at like Newsweek and Time Magazine that run their Snapchat. So they have to be able to tell a story in like four slides. <laughs> I know it. And I love that. I think it's so exciting for journalism to continuously like reinvent itself. But I also am like, wow. I had a whole class devoted to magazine writing and like we would actually send out like pitches to magazines to try and get like our articles that we wrote on prospectus posted and like accepted in these magazines. And of course I never had like any takers cause I was, you know, writing to like bride's magazine. I'm like, come on people love me a little. But, um, I, I think that that's so interesting because even magazines are going digital and really focusing in on new media. And so I love, I love thinking about how the teaching of journalism has changed and how just communication in general has changed and how we consume media. Yeah, totally. It, it seems like it's so much more, um, I don't know if attainable is the right word, but like it's, there's less barrier. Like you don't have to be like a journalist at Newsweek or Time Magazine to be able to to storytell and to be able to connect with people. And we, we kind of all have, we do all have those publication tools in our pocket now. And I think, you know, looping back from the perspective of a business owner, that is incredibly powerful. Like you don't need to get a piece in the local newspaper or magazine. Like you might go viral on Instagram. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I mean, I used to tell my students all the time that I loved literature because you can see glimpses of yourself in the stories of other people. And that's the best thing about being in this kind of frame of time where we can storytell our way to that no like trust funnel or where we can really storytell our way to, to finding glimpses of ourselves in, in other business owners and other moms and other Sioux Fallsians and other anyone. I mean, it's, it's very, very cool. One of the things that you have done over the past year, I suppose, probably even shorter than that, is you've done a lot of work kind of putting guide rails around different types of brand voices so people can kind of understand this is my brand voice. And so maybe um, these are the types of ways that I can get that across or these are um, these are the types of words that I should be using that, uh, really reflect my brand aesthetic and that kind of thing. So I want to talk with you about the different types of brand voices that you have kind of discovered and, um, how people can kind of figure out where they land and what their brand voice is. Cause I think that's a really incredible thing to 
start to understand as you're writing for yourself. So you can make sure that like your, your personal brand, your brand is coming through in your words. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, as a literature student who really kind of knows in and out all about the research process, I had to take so many research methods classes and I had to teach the process of research. I'm still like in my heart, a research nut. And so when it came time to think about how I could help people and business owners in particular, try and figure out how to tackle this brand messaging thing that feels so big and enormous in a way that's approachable or accessible for everyone. I tried to figure out what the different types of voices are. And the voices that I've come up with through all of this kind of market research and analysis of like all of these different types of influencers and all of these different types of business owners, the cool thing about it is it's not a voice that you put on or try on. It's a voice that you have already. It's your natural, authentic voice. And I love that because I think for so long in education and also in in business experience, we're taught that business talk or business writing is so different than normal communication, than informal communication. I mean, I used to share with students like, how would you write a letter to your grandma about your weekend versus how would you write a letter to me as your teacher about your weekend? Like there's a complete different audience shift there, right? But there doesn't have to be in business anymore. And that's the really cool thing about the brand voice types is it's just figuring out what your natural voice is already, not trying on something new. It goes so hand in hand with personal branding in general. I was just having a conversation today in my DMs and someone was saying like, I feel like I don't really have a a personal brand. Like I I like to talk about, um, you know, makeup and how I'm, um, you know, like running late all the time and uh, whatever, but like, I don't really have a personal brand. And I'm like, yes, that's your personal brand. That's your personal (laughs) brand right there. Yep. That's it. You don't, just like you said, you don't have to dig for it. You don't have to search for it. You just have to kind of own who you are and what you love and what you're passionate about, and then feel confident stepping into that and showing up in that space. That's all it is. And that's what your brand voice is to it. It already exists. It's already there. Yeah. And it's up to you to manage it and use it and own it. Like you said, I think that it's, it's not something you have to go to school for. It's not something you have to try and achieve or you level up to achieve it. It's something you already have. And my brand voice research is just about trying to help you own it. Yeah. So let's do this one by one, but how many brand voices have you determined that there are? I think there's five. The argument could be made for four because there's one that I haven't quite found a lot of folks yet who fit the mold. I mean, the brand voice type that nobody really quite fits yet or very few people quite fit is the progressive voice and the inventive voice, um, which I think is really interesting, but we'll get there. I think that typically most people fall into the casual and the conversational voice. So I, I use two adjectives to describe the brand voice types. So the casual and conversational voice is really like how we speak to a friend or to someone who's familiar to us. Yes. So that's casual and conversational. Yeah, casual and conversational. So it's like relying on that friendly kind of familiar language that you use. So contractions like your or um, can't instead of being really formal. Um, Words like ease or open, 
it gives that brand voice kind of that comfortable, easygoing feeling. And your clients really tend to respond to that kind of conversational, easygoing type of feel that you create in your captions. That's the one I see most common. Interesting. That makes sense because I feel like there are a lot of, again, especially personal brands who like they, they don't want to appear and oftentimes they're not too stuffy or formal. Like they just, they want to be like kind of the girl next door, right? Like everyone can relate to you. It's comfy. Yeah. And I think too, the really cool thing about the casual and the conversational voice is that it makes the everyday and the ordinary kind of special. It just simply takes a moment to say, you know what, this was really cool and point out the pieces and parts of life that people may not spend time thinking about like their favorite coffee shop or um, what they would do on a Saturday afternoon, but they're pointing out those things in a way that feels um, comfortable and relatable. Relatable is a good way to put it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's casual and conversational. Yeah. So I think you are a great example of the next type, which is charming and joyful. Oh, I I love joyful. I know it's fun. I love the word charming too, just because it's like, I'm so charming. It makes me feel good every day. (laughs) Um, But your brand voice, if you are a charming and a joyful folk, um, your brand voice creates kind of that cheery tone that inspires people to feel happy or to have those like heart flutters of excitement. The word delight is often a word that people who have charming and joyful voices use a lot. It's really inviting. And I think that that's a really cool piece to think about when you're creating a personal brand, because that's the point, right? You want to be inviting and invite people to pop onto your website or to follow you um, kind of for that lasting, like pick me up of sorts. I love that. Yeah. Very cool. It's very upbeat, kind of not afraid to try trends, but also focusing in on just being that light in people's feed. And I mean, it's not to say that they're happy all the time because they're not sharing like the bummers of life, but in an upbeat way, not like a morose, really depressing way. I do feel like that's something, because especially over the past couple of months, there have been a few things that I've dealt with that I'm like, oh, how do I like navigate how to talk about this? in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And it's like that line of like, I don't want to be toxically positive. Sometimes bad shit happens and like, that's life, you know? Um, and I want to talk about that. I don't want to be like, it all happens for a reason. Like, no, sometimes it's just shitty. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I think that that realness is that is really at the core of, of this type of voice, but also it's about, it's about balance, right? It's about saying, this freaking sucked, but guess what else is not sucky? Guess what else is cool? And I think that the energy that charming and joyful voices give out in their captions and their stories is really infectious. So it can be a, a crappy day, but at the end of the day, that's just one blip in, in the charming and joyful voice. I also love watching you and other charming and joyful people use all caps, use emojis, use punctuation. There is a different way of doing it that charming and joyful people love, um, love to tackle. And I think that I'm a charming and joyful type just in my use of all caps, bold formatting, things like that, because I, love it. I mean, it just emphasizes, you just want to emphasize the, the good stuff. So I love that too. I'm 
totally the person who has to like write an email and then go back to the email and be like, we're going to take out 37 exclamation points. <laughs> I'm the same to- way. Yes. We don't need to put all caps in an email to like a client. It's fine. <laughs> I know any, like the hallmark of a charming and joyful is like, if you see the word love, it's all caps for sure. Of course it is. What of else? Course. Is, like what other, what else is there? <laughs> But to contrast that, like the next voice type is the authoritative and experienced voice type, and they would not be caught dead using all of the all caps, unless it's an acronym. They're all about correctness. They would not be caught dead using um, or overusing exclamation points. They really want to emphasize the reliability and the trust and the fact that they have experience. There are some people who really do this voice type well, because it can feel like you're trying on a really stiff voice type if you are not using that authentic type. If it's not authentic to you to point to your experience, to create that sense of reliability, it can really feel off-putting. And if you're not the type of person who appreciates that in a business owner, there might not be a good fit there for you when it comes to ideal client. One of the people that I really love who uses an authoritative and experienced voice is in the financial industry. Of course, we all want somebody in the financial industry who emphasizes their experience and their reliability. Mm -hmm. That's an ideal fit right there. A person who's working in an industry that people expect to have experience and to be able to trust. That's like the perfect storm there. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm like racking my brain of people who I think maybe would would wear this brand voice well and I am curious this is I'm totally asking you this on the fly so it's fine if mm-hmm. you're not sure. Gary Vaynerchuk, do you follow him? Yeah. Would he maybe be Oh he gosh. He also like swears a lot. So I'm like yeah. maybe not, but I feel like he's definitely very like this is how it is, you know? Yeah. I almost wonder if he's going to be um like that unicorn of the progressive type, Mm, oh, which is coming up. But I almost think too, like there are people who have the ability to um, occupy multiple brand voice types, Mm -hmm. depending on who they're talking to, what social platform they're on. I mean, LinkedIn is obviously a lot more authoritative and experienced voice types. Um, Even if you are a charming and a joyful person, typically you show up on LinkedIn as more of an authoritative voice. For sure. That totally makes sense. Yeah. It's not to say that you totally switch voices and you don't, you know, occupy your normal voice, but the situation changes, right? Just like in the letter example to your grandma versus your teacher. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Very cool. So authoritative and experience. Yeah. I can definitely see how, like, if that is not something that comes naturally to you, it's just going to come off like you're kind of a jerk. (laughs) Arrogance is really like, that's what that's, that's the negative part of it. But like words like sound or valid or proven are really key for the authoritative voice, because that's what people want. They want to be able to trust you and they need to rely on you. And so if you use words like proven when you're selling something, it automatically ups your credibility. I, I think you're right when it comes to like financial industry. And I'm sure there are other similar industries where like this type of brand voice makes a lot of sense for people there. Cause like, of course we want authoritative and experience when we're talking about our money or, you know, that kind of thing. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think it's useful for all business owners if you're selling something, whether it's a product or a service, to be able to to try this voice on periodically and use words like proven or practical. But at the same time, you want to focus on who your ideal client is. And if your ideal client doesn't want this kind of, it's comparatively more stiff. It's not the stiff kind of formal business writing that we had, you know, years and years ago, but it is comparatively more stiff. Yeah. You can try it on in moments, but it's about trying to manifest whatever your natural voice is. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Okay. So we have as a recap, casual and conversational, charming and joyful, authoritative and experienced. Yeah. And so number four is quirky, cool, and whimsical. And this is one of my favorite voices. I was going to say, I love this one. Yeah. This is one of my favorite voices because the people who occupy this voice, their voice can change literally by the day, by the moment. Their brand voice is a little bit out there. And so they might be eccentric or they might be really multi-passionate and just have lots of irons in the fire and lots of things that, that, that light them up. And so these people are the people that use irreverence really well. They use sarcasm really well. They are self-deprecating masters. And it's so fun to watch the evolution of this brand voice type because they just are sharing who they are and all of the aspects of who they are, all of their passions, all of the things that light their fire with their people. I feel like I follow a lot of people like this and I, and I love, I mean, like there's a reason for that. There's like so entertaining to follow. Yeah. And I mean, these are people who will like share their pets, nicknames with you, who will um, tell you their embarrassing stories from middle school, who will point out their favorite, you know, nineties rap song, all of the things like, these are the people that are so multi-passionate and so um, diverse in their likes and dislikes that they aren't afraid to just show them, show themselves to, to their ideal client. That's really cool. Oh, fun. Can you think of any like influencers or, um, oh. people who are like, you know, and maybe not even necessarily an influencer, but like you follow on social media who would fall into this category? Yeah. I mean, the people that kind of stick out to me are the the folks the folks that are like our customers are really really cool way cooler than your customers so like um when there is this comparison game between like and it's all in fun right but like when there's this uh underhandedness kind of cards of humanity i suppose would probably fit under this type of a voice type where they're just like poking fun and aren't afraid to be like we have the coolest customers don't even try Um, I just love it. And so I think that, you know, if you think of board games like that, or you think of brands like that, that are really poking fun and poking holes at like, what might be an insecurity for other brands who are competitors, the quirky, cool voice does it really well, because Mm. they do it in a in a sarcastic way. And it's, it's fun. It takes them a while. That's awesome. Okay, so quirky, cool and whimsical. So then our fifth one, is the the unicorn, right? This progressive inventive. Okay. So tell me more about that. Yeah. So the progressive inventive voice is a really interesting one because this is one that tries to be a disruptor, like, um, tries to be a change maker. So typically really thoughtful, really philosophical, really focused on imagining solutions to the world's hardest problems. I call them like the wizard of Oz, right? Like 
someone who is behind the curtains thinking all the time and might not be super active on social media, which is why I think we might not see as much of this brand voice type, but it's somebody who is really focused on innovation and trying to figure out how to solve problems in a practical but imaginative way, trying to do things that have never been done before. I feel like, do you follow her first 100K on Instagram? No. It's this really cool woman. I think she's even younger than I am. Like, I think she's like, uh, yeah, she's super young and she is such a badass. And she is always talking about how like certain male people in the financial industry are like full of it and um, more like modern ways to essentially make your first hundred thousand dollars. Anyway, there are definitely things about each of these voice types that I think would describe her. But when I'm thinking of like someone who like really wants to make change and someone who is innovative and like sees the status quo and then says, no, like we don't have to do it that way. I I think Mm -hmm. of her, you know? Yeah. um, Yeah. Very, very cool. I could definitely see how that one is a bit harder to find though, especially because if they're, if they're making this change, they're maybe just not as active on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. Or if they're like in the throes of like the research part, or even, even like the the asking questions part, like I'm thinking back to my nine-year-old scientific method, like if they're in the, in the throes of that, like who has time to post on Instagram? (laughs) You know what I mean? They're trying to solve the world's problems. I'm thinking of like environmental activists here, like people who are really kind of change makers and wanting to turn the conversation um, differently and think about things differently, just approach things a little bit differently. So, um, you know, they're doing the work that these are people who are doing the work and they probably can't be bothered to blast it on social media until it's done until they achieve it. Right. Right. Oh yeah, totally. I love it. So I'm going to go through these again. So casual, conversational, charming, and joyful, authoritative and experienced, quirky, cool, whimsical, and progressive and inventive. So how the heck do we figure out what our brand voice is? Yeah. So that's kind of what I started doing all of the research, right. To try and figure out, okay, what are these brand voice types and how can I categorize people? Cause I feel like we all love like what kind of a eighties, I don't know, singer oh, are we yeah, like, I want to know what shape of Cheeto I am. I yes. <laughs> like we all are like dying to know all of these like personality quirks. Like, I mean, that's why we spend time thinking about the Enneagram or human design yes. or whatever. Like, I want to know all of the things there is to know, especially if it can help me in business. Okay. So I created a personality type quiz, like think about like the mash quizzes that you used to play when you were like in middle school and hoping so hard not to like end up in a shack, but like literally, literally it's so fun to just think about where you might fall. So I created a quiz to do it. Yay. Do you have the URL of the quiz handy? And then we'll put it in the show notes and stuff too, obviously. Yeah, I think, I mean, I just linked to it on my, um, on my social links or whatever, but, um, I host the quiz on interact, which is a really cool platform that is kind of just lets you, um, work through all of the questions on your own pace and then gives you your results at the end. And the cool part about, um, the quiz is that at the end you get five different social media captions or prompts to help you hone your brand voice. So after you figure out what type you are, you are, given these kind of five unique 
brand voice social prompts to put to work immediately so that you can see how your brand voice matches your own authentic voice and put them out to people right away. I love that. Okay. So we, we will link to the quiz in the show notes so everyone can figure out what their brand voices and get those prompts from you. That is awesome. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, it's so fun. I mean, the thing I think is really a game changer when it comes to brand voice is that understanding that it is your natural voice type and the days of trying on different brand voice types and having to be this stiff tie wearing business person are just, they're gone. And so why not? Yeah. Why not embrace something that's more fun and uniquely who you are. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting. I will periodically get people who will say, I just, I really like the way that you write on social media. It feels, it feels like the way you talk, which is the best compliment that I can ever get. And then when I ask someone, um, you know, why, like, why do you feel like you're a bad writer or why do you feel like that's, uh, that's difficult for you? Um, one, okay. So one of the things that they'll tell me is like, I like that it's imperfect, but then when I turn it around and say like, what's so difficult about it for you, they're like, well, I just feel like it doesn't come naturally to me. And, um, it's hard to make it perfect. You know, I'm like, but you just said you like it when it's not perfect. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. If it sounds like the way you talk. It's okay. If it is your natural brand voice, that's so much more relatable and connective than making it super formal. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about business in general and just being a consumer, like we respond emotionally to things when we purchase, like it's not just a, oh yeah, this fits in my budget. It's not just a financial decision. It's emotional too. And a brand will make you feel a certain way based on what their brand voice type is. And I think that owning your own brand voice type will help the right type of consumer find you and buy from you. And who doesn't want that? Exactly. That's the end goal. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah. This was absolutely delightful. Um, Tell the people where they can find you if they want to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great time. Um, I am what Sarah said, which is my website. So what Sarah said.com on Instagram and Sarah with Sarah without an H. Thank you for that. Yes. S-A-R-A, which is in my mind, the only way to spell it. Um, So yeah, what Sarah said, S-A-R-A.com is my website. And then on Instagram, I'm at hello, Sarah Gillis. So S-A-R-A-G-I-L-L-I-S. That's kind of where I hang out the most. So um, website, Instagram, hit me up. I'd love to chat with you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Take It Personally. If you're a regular listener, you might already know that some of the best conversations actually happen after the show. Head over to Facebook and search Take It Personally podcast to join our private Facebook group and join the conversation. We'll also put the link in the show notes. And if you haven't already, would you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? This is the best way to let other people know about the show and help us to keep creating content you love. You can also head to takeitpersonallypodcast.com for all the show notes from today's episode and past episodes. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.